Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Okay, Tom, welcome to Cut for Time podcast. We've done one of these or two of these before, but it has been a long time. I think the last time we met over Cut for Time, it was um, like, I think the lockdown of 2020 or around there. So, and I actually haven't preached for a year and a half at Faith, so that goes back to late 2021. (laughs) Okay. How did it feel? Did you feel out of um, practice a little bit, or is that something that you've done for so many years? It's a skill that you have to, like, do sermon prep that it was just felt like it came naturally. I may have mentioned this briefly, but I, I woke up early Sunday morning just feeling so edgy, and it was like, oh, I remember that feeling that I hadn't felt that for a while, that you just know you're on and uh, you're asked to do something that is way beyond human ability. <laughs> and uh, so I think that's just part of God saying, you're not in charge, buddy. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll hopefully can use you. But <laughs> so that's something that never goes away, even after you've been doing it for years and years. Um, I think that's good. I think if it does go away, you're probably in big trouble as a preacher. Yeah. Okay. That's good advice. It's a good gauge. Also, John Mark is joining us for the podcast. I feel like I should mention that for people who are listening, just in case they hear those baby squeaks. And your dog is joining us. So we'll see. All right. So, Tom, why don't you give us just a summary from your sermon on Sunday? Okay. Well, it was the uh, story of Parable of the Sower. And so what I tried to do is just lay out the parable, but it's a bit unusual in that there's the story and then the parable that, I mean, the parable that's not understood, and then the uh, questions about why he uses parables, and then he gives the meaning of the parable, but that's only limited, uh, or that's limited to the um, only given to the disciples themselves. So the crowd is heard the story, but they don't get the explanation. And so I tried to recover a little bit of, of why Jesus uh, did did that. Um, I don't know if you want to go into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, that um, Jesus is uh, explaining to the disciples why he speaks in parables. And he goes back to a very unusual passage in Isaiah chapter 6. Now, Isaiah 6 is a fascinating chapter. The great hymn, Holy, 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 is based on that. And Isaiah is in the presence of God. He is totally freaking out that he is in the presence of God and he's going to die. And then he's cleansed. It's symbolic in the text. And then it goes right into Isaiah's call. And the call of Isaiah is that he's going to speak to a people who won't listen, and his speaking to them is actually going to be a judgment on them for refusing to listen. And Jesus uses that passage to say that he's using this parable as an act of judgment on the people who have refused to listen. He already said in one of the earlier texts, like the first one that Jeff gave, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And they don't have ears to hear. And so it's explained, seems very strange at first, that this parable is actually a judgment on them for not hearing. Now, the other part, this parable is in context of 
that earlier question that was asked uh, when John the Baptist sent a message and said, uh, are you the one who's to come? Uh, and Pastor Jeff walked us through that. And yes, all the signs and miracles are evidence that he's coming and yet the people are resisting. And they're like kids playing in the marketplace. And one kid says, let's play wedding and the kids won't cooperate. One kid says, play funeral and they won't cooperate. And now they're getting the truth about the Messiah that they've been longing for for years and they are not seeing it. They're not accepting him. So this follows that pattern. There's starting to be a rejection, Jesus, by some of the people who've been following him for a long, long time. Uh, so then after the explanation of why he speaks in parables, in some sense is an act of judgment. I might come back to that in a moment, but the um, also uh, he, he goes then and explains the parable and the parable represents four kinds of people. Uh, those who are hard and won't receive the word, those who are shallow and seem to receive it and then turn away, those who are divided, who really wanna follow Jesus, they say, but then they are just distracted by other things that are more important. And then finally, uh, the last category um, of those who uh, do receive it. So it's the four categories of hard, shallow, divided, and receptive. Mm -hmm. And last category, the harvest uh, that comes through, comes through in different amounts of 30, 60, and 100. And I do want to come, I think we didn't do a good job with that Sunday, so I want to come back and talk about that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. You also just mentioned in your summary um, that people who had been following Jesus are starting to fall away. So we also have a question submitted by somebody asking about, can we fall away from our faith? Can we lose our salvation? So we'll get into that also. Um, all right. So Tom, um what did you feel like you had to cut for time um and i think you mentioned you'd preached this sermon before so did you um cut material from like did you find material that you wish you could have included from that sermon and you didn't have time for it in this one yeah i never re-preach an old sermon uh in, unless you know i'm preaching some place the next sunday and then i might use the same one but um, always, always start over, and yet I do take a look back. And I did that sermon in two Sundays, um, and so yeah, I realized right away there's an awful lot that I can't uh, cover. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the the two things that I um, didn't cover as much that I would have liked to have said more about is the whole question of why Jesus used parables and why. He would seemingly try to confuse them. That seems very strange. And why not just say it straightforwardly? Well, he had said it straightforwardly and they didn't respond. So this is a judgment. And what I would like to have emphasized there is it goes back to when Israel came out of Egypt and Moses went and said, let my people go. Pharaoh through, through nine plagues refused to let them go. And it starts out saying he hardened his heart, that's comparable to the seed on the path. And then later it says God hardened his heart. So both Pharaoh hardened his own heart, and then God hardened Pharaoh's heart as a judgment for hardening his own heart. That then plays out in the New Testament in Paul's letter to the Romans, 
and he says, we are under judgment for our rejection of God. And it says uh, three times in Romans 1 that God gave them up. Uh, you, they rejected God based on natural revelation. And so God gave them over to various idolatrous behaviors. God gave them over then to acting out on their sinful sexual impulses. And then that's just the start of it. And then it says he just gave them over to every kind of evil. So it's like, okay, you want to reject me? Here's what it's really like to live without me and to be totally uh, under uh, the judgment of, of sin. So um, that's that's really the way it works out in the New Testament as Paul writes about it in Romans chapter one. Okay, all right. So talk more about, um, can you talk more about like the difference between um, the harvest at the end and how that's different from fruitfulness? Yeah, I, I, I'm off script, especially for service. So I actually listen to it to try to figure out what went wrong. But um, I, I think I did add confusion um, instead of clarity on that. Um, we find different concepts in the Bible. And, and one example similar to this is the whole idea of spiritual fruitfulness. Uh, fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And when... Um, you get that idea, then you get a similar idea and you equate them. Well, they're not. They're, it's like similar images, but they're not used the same way at all. So where I went off script is theorizing about, you know, am I a 30, 60 or 100 person or am I even a 10, a 10 person? And one of the questions really kind of jumped into that a bit, but I think what I did inadvertently, I confused the productivity of the parable of the sower with the fruitfulness of the believer. And I don't think it's that at all. I think the crop of 30, 60, and 100 is the number, frankly, of, I mean, it's symbolic. This is not exact numbers of people, but number of people that respond to the gospel. So here's one seed cast out here. 30 people respond to it, 60 people respond to it, 100 people respond to it. And so it's not reflecting on the relative maturity or uh, the spiritual depth of the individual, but on the actual results of preaching the gospel and people who accept Christ with a sincere heart. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that. Anything else that you wanted to talk about that you felt cut for time? I think those were the main issues, uh, probably enough for today. Okay. So we did have two questions submitted, and you just were just talking about this. This person said, I'm struck by this parable that there are no spots for seed which yields one-fold or ten-fold. Um, and where do you think these people fall in, like, this situation? Yeah, and so that's where I need to apologize to that person who asked the question and thank them for answer, asking it because I, I added to some confusion and probably some natural uh, confusion that existed already and I kind of ended up feeding it. Uh, so again, just to emphasize that the 30, 60, 90 is not um, your own spiritual maturity, but the 30, 60, 90 is the the way the number of people that respond the individuals that respond to the gospel so you're not a one or a 10 or a 30 or a 60 or a 90 you are one person and are you part of that wonderful harvest or not 
So that's that's the issue. Sometimes when he's put out, 30 is a wonderful response. But when God moves in great ways, there's 60, there's a hundred, there's thousands. Yeah. And seeing that in different parts of the world, uh, we hear about it in some of the hardest places like Iran and China and the South Africa, the southern half of Africa, uh, where they're getting a marvelous harvest. In other places like the U.S. and Europe, it seems it's really hard right now, and almost like we're under the judgment of uh, being turned to our own ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Our second question is um, something that I'm sure we've all wanted to know the answer to. Oh, yes. Denmark is going to answer ask this question. So we want to know more about the person who is a seed that has sprouted, shown some sort of growth, right? Transitioning from seed into plant, um, and they are choked out by the thorns, or for some reason, they fall away from the faith, right? Um, And they did seem to have a genuine faith conversion. Will we be in heaven with those individuals? We would love to think that we would be. Can you talk about that? Well, that's an easy one because it's been debated for 2,000 years and we still don't agree. So you're going to settle it right here for us, right? (laughs) I wish it was that easy. Now, that's a great question. And and it's probably one of the most common questions I've dealt with. And it divides believers. I mean, I don't, it doesn't need to bring division. We can disagree without being divided personally. But it really is a 2,000 year old debate uh, about who is saved at what stage and what's the evidence of genuine saving faith. And can a person have genuine saving faith and be in the two or the three categories and then lose their faith or, or lose their salvation, is the way some would put it. Uh, or can they be in the category two or three of shallow or divided and, and, and still be safe? Well, I prayed the prayer, so I'm still good. Um, well, here's my explanation based on this parable. Uh, the person who comes to genuine faith is not the sprout or the plant in the parable. Right? Just stick with the parable here but it's the seed that is produced. The seed that's planted produces seeds in the crop. And the first two categories, it sprouts, it might even grow up and thrive for a while and look like a really nice plant, but there's no crop, there's no seeds. So I think in the parable, the logic would say from the parable that those persons were not saved. Um, However, um, that that doesn't resolve all the issues. Um, true believers, uh, I don't know about you, Claire, but just for myself, I know sometimes I can really be shallow. I know sometimes I can really be divided in my loves. And so it's not saying that true believers never have any of that shallowness or that dividedness of their heart. We all struggle with that, and we will until the day we die, I believe. Uh, but the, the question is, have we truly come to faith in Jesus? And I don't think the two, three categories have truly come to faith in Jesus, but 
It's only the seed that's produced in the end that has come to faith in Jesus. That doesn't answer the question, though, is can you have true faith in Jesus and then lose it? Um, I don't know how much you want me to go down memory lane with this, but my parents and my church believed opposite things when I was growing up. Uh, my church, a Baptist church, said, once you believed in Jesus, no matter what happens, you're saved. My parents said, once you believe in Jesus, you must persevere. You must continue in the faith or, you're, or you'll lose your salvation. I don't agree with this. Okay. Uh, Is there I, a third option? Tell us. I believe that genuine faith perseveres, but if you don't persevere, then it becomes a question of genuine faith. Now, the other side of that is I can't look at you or you can't look at me and say, oh, I know that person lost their faith or gave it up or whatever, or, or wasn't really serious. I can't judge that. Uh, well, there's going to be a lot of surprises in the end. Uh, mm -hmm. and who was real and who wasn't. Um, yeah. Maybe somebody looked like great seed, but it was fake. Uh, maybe uh, someone really struggled, and yet they still had that that core of faith in Jesus in which they were truly forgiven and had eternal life. So um, I, I think the debate gets off the rails. Uh, there's proof texts on both sides, um, and, and, um, and, and I could argue either side and think it pretty convincing if it ignored the rest of the evidence. But um, I, I, do, I do believe that true believers do persevere to the end. But the evidence of being a true believer is that you persevere to the end. So that makes everybody unhappy on each, each extreme. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so, Tom, why don't you give us just some final encouragement or some just a final thought on spreading God's word, what's happening at, through faith? faith church what do you see you're kind of i think that you have the benefit of being able to see a, a nice wide view of what's going on at faith church and um just yeah where where are we at in big our big picture and then like how can you encourage us as individuals well, if I try to respond to that from the perspective of this passage, which which I'd like to do, yeah. When you look at the 50-year history of the Faith Church, um, it'll be 60 in 2024, I think, um, and the number of people that are still part of the church. In fact, our our oldest member will be 100 years old next week. <laughs> And uh, she was around at the beginning. Um, the number of people that have come to mature faith and been seed spreaders, those who have faithfully shared the good news of Christ with others and the hundreds of people that have come to personal faith. I mean, that's what's exciting. And the, the thing that we haven't talked about today, which I, I probably emphasized more on Sunday, is that the sower of the word, the sower of the seed in the farming illustration, is God, is Jesus, and by extension, us uh, as followers, as we share that seed, that good word of the gospel. 
And so the fact is, God loves the world, gave his son that whoever believes might have eternal life. And that seed of truth, the gospel is spread everywhere. So it lands on the hard, hard packed earth. It lands here in, in the shallow earth. It lands, so we're to spread it widely. God graciously does that, and we're to do that. And I think that just, um, at faith to be among the people that, that love God's word and do want to share it widely, not only in Indianapolis, but maybe our emphasis has been more around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the tremendous results we've seen in places uh, of people coming to Christ. So that's exciting. May that continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, praise God for that. That is really a privilege of being um, a part of Faith Church is seeing God's work around the world um, that I wouldn't have had a that personal touch to, right? You might hear stories or read articles about how God's word is impacting different regions. But um, not only do we um, hear those stories and it's just, it's actually oh, touches our hearts. It's like, it's actually close to home. Like these are our people and we know these people. And that is a, such a privilege of being a part of this church. It's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.